We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go. Episode 757 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, February 7th, 2024, a week away from Valentine's Day 2024. And so it is appropriate that new commander's offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury on Tuesday was uh, shown some love uh, by one of his former quarterbacks, the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, who played his college football at Texas Tech, for which Kingsbury was head coach from December 2012 to November 2018. Mahomes was at Texas Tech for the 2014 through 2016 seasons. This was Mahomes with reporters on Tuesday as his Chiefs prepare to face the San Francisco 49ers at Allegiant Stadium in Paradise, Nevada, this Sunday evening at 6.30 in Super Bowl 58. Yeah, just a great, a great person, man. Um, someone that truly loves the game of football, works his tail off every single day, um, and uh, gets the best out of his guys, um, especially his quarterbacks. And so uh, I'm excited for him to have another opportunity in the NFL. Um, I thought he did a great job in Arizona, for, um, especially with the offense. And so I think he'll do a great job in, uh, in Washington uh, getting that offense going. Was there a story growing, growing through him that you can relate to us that you can kind of tell about? Yeah, I think he just, I mean, he always believed in me from the beginning, even when I wasn't getting a lot of offers um, coming out of high school. Um, and then when I got there, he, he evolved the offense to, to really fit my game. And I think that's what you have to do as a great offense coordinator in this league, is you have to evolve the offense to fit the guys that you have. And he, I think he's done that everywhere he's been. High praise for Cliff Kingsbury from Patrick Mahomes, the commander's new offensive coordinator, getting some flowers from the best quarterback on the planet. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Next segment, high-level commander's intel, as we'll speak with commander's insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. All kinds of conversation on new commander's head coach Dan Quinn and the team search that led to the hiring of Quinn and the commander's new coordinators in Cliff Kingsbury and defensive coordinator Joe Witt Jr. Ben also will address what went down between him and commander's general manager Adam Peters at the Dan Quinn introductory press conference on Monday afternoon. If you don't know of what I speak, Don't worry, I'll play the entire exchange and Ben will react to what happened. Also on the show, the Capitals. They, on Tuesday night, played a game for the first time in 10 days due to the team's bye week and the NHL All-Star break. But the Caps got stomped by the Montreal Canadiens 5-2 at Capital One Arena. Hey, way to come out of the break refreshed and ready to go, boys. (laughs) Uh, And I'll talk Maryland basketball, another ugly loss for the Terrapins, a 56-53 loss to Rutgers at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland on Tuesday night in a game in which the Terps offense once again was uh, quite bad. The Terps are a great defensive team, but are a terrible offensive team. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Speaking of people saying nice things about the commanders from Sterling Porter on X, 
Right, Sterling, you know that times have changed when Kyle Shanahan is praising the commander's organization. Oh, happy days are here again, hopefully. Uh, thank you for that, Sterling. And what Sterling is referring to is former Redskins offensive coordinator and current San Francisco 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan in a press conference on Monday night in the lead up to Super Bowl 58 this Sunday evening, heaping high praise on the commanders. Now having Adam Peters as general manager and Dan Quinn as head coach. Uh, Kyle knows both Adam and Dan well. Adam worked in the 49ers front office from January 2017 to January 2024. Kyle has been the Niners head coach since February 2017 when he left his job as Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator, a job that he had held since January 2015 as Kyle was Dan Quinn's offensive coordinator for his first two seasons as Falcons head coach. Here was Kyle on Monday night. I'm so pumped for Dan. I'm so pumped for Washington. Dan's a hell of a coach. They got a hell of a one. I know they've gone through a lot of stuff in these last 20 years, but having AP and DQ is as good as it gets. Like Dan taught me so much in Atlanta. I'm very grateful for how much he's um, helped my career and him and Stacy and just what he's going to do for their organization. Um, knowing Adam, knowing Jen, like they're set up very well. What's that? Um, I, mean, I just loved watching uh, watching how he ran the team. Um, certain things he did on the meetings and stuff. You take you take things from everybody, but um, Dan, the way he the way he carried himself, the way he talked to the team, uh, was as good as I've been around. So how about that? Kyle Shanahan, a man who despised Washington for years for what went down between the uh, then owner of our team, Dan Snyder, and Kyle's dad, Mike, who Dan in December 2013 fired as Skins Executive Vice President slash head coach. Uh, that same Kyle on Monday night singing the praises of the commanders. So quite the 180 from Still Skins on X on the commanders new offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury versus their now former offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. as Dan Quinn during his introductory press conference on Monday afternoon said that commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy will not be continuing with the team, writes Still Skins. What do you think of this narrative from some in the national media who question why Cliff Kingsbury is more qualified than Eric Bieniemy? Hopefully, you can touch on this in episode 757. Uh, well, thank you for that. Still skins, uh, here we are, episode 757, and let us uh, touch uh, uh, on that. So if you're comparing each guy's coaching resume from a standpoint of team accomplishment, Eric Bieniemy's resume blows away Cliff Kingsbury's resume because Bieniemy was an offensive assistant for the Kansas City Chiefs for the 2013 through 2022 seasons. And Kingsbury had a losing record as Texas Tech head coach and then had a losing record as Arizona Cardinals head coach. But Kingsbury has a track record of working with and developing quarterbacks that blows away enemies. Uh, Kingsbury was the University of Houston's co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the 2011 season, during which a 2019 Skins quarterback Case Keenum had a monster season. Kingsbury was Texas A&M offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the 2012 season, during which Texas A&M redshirt freshman quarterback Johnny Manziel became the first freshman ever to win the Heisman Trophy. Kingsbury, as a Texas Tech head coach, was a Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes' collegiate head coach. Uh, Kingsbury, as Cardinals head coach, got some really good production at a quarterback, Kyler Murray, over his first three NFL seasons. And Kingsbury, as USC senior offensive analyst for the 2023 season, worked with quarterback Caleb Williams, who, contrary to the opinions of some, did have a really good 2023 season. Eric Bieniemy, yes, was Patrick Mahomes' offensive coordinator for his first five seasons as the Chiefs QB1 2018 through 2022. And Bieniemy deserves credit uh, for how well things went. But Mahomes is so good that 
I don't know that he wouldn't have done well with a number of other offensive coordinators, especially considering that the enemy was not the Chiefs' primary offensive play caller. Head coach Andy Reid was. And does anybody feel great about the job that the enemy did with the Commanders QB1 for this season, Sam Howell? I mean, I liked the pass-heavy approach that the enemy took with Sam, but Sam ended up getting worse as the season went on and ultimately had a really bad season. Now, you could say, hey, Sam Howell just isn't that good, okay? And you can't put that on the enemy. But the quarterback development track records of Cliff Kingsbury and Eric Bieniemy are really different. The people who fixate on Kingsbury's head coaching record totally miss the point. The commanders have not hired him to, to be their head coach. They've hired him to be their offensive coordinator. Nothing with an offensive coordinator matters more than how he does with quarterbacks. And Kingsbury has done well with quarterbacks, in part because Kingsbury himself was a great college quarterback. Cliff Kingsbury was a quarterback for Texas Tech for the 1999 through 2002 seasons. He, as a Texas Tech quarterback, set 39 school records, 16 Big 12 records, and 17 NCAA records, and Kingsbury for his 2002 season won, appropriately enough given his new job, the Sammy Baugh Trophy, which is awarded annually to the nation's top college passer. Uh, Sammy Baugh, of course, uh, maybe the greatest player in Skins history. Heck, maybe the greatest athlete in Washington, D.C. sports history. Email from Corey on the Commanders and Orioles with each team now looking at new ownership. Uh, last July, Dan and Tanya Snyder sold the commanders to the Josh Harris Group. And we last week had the glorious news that the Angelos family has agreed to sell the O's to a group led by two private equity billionaires, David Rubenstein and Michael Arigetti. Writes Corey, congrats on show number 755. You now have something in common with the great Hank Aaron, and neither of you used PEDs. <laughs> uh, well done. I have listened to every episode and appreciate you following sports so that we don't have to. Just taking stock of sports in the DMV in the upcoming year. As a combo O's and Skins slash WFT slash Commanders fan, I am beside myself with the future that lies ahead. With new ownership and young upcoming talent for both teams, I believe we are getting Caleb Williams in the draft. I am feeling what I haven't felt in decades, hope and pride. We as fans of such tortured franchises should relish the upcoming seasons and embrace the moment. We deserve it. Well, thank you for the email, Corey. Uh, as I have talked about on the podcast, there are so many combo Commanders Orioles fans because Washington, D.C. had no MLB team for the 1972 through 2004 season. So if you're like me and you grew up in the D.C. area in the 1980s and 1990s, you grew up as a fan of the Skins, Orioles, Bullets, and Capitals. Those were the big four pro sports teams of the D.C. area for decades. It has not been often that both the Skins and Doe's were thriving at the same time. Uh, we did have 2012. Uh, the Skins won the NFC East for the 2012 season. The O's in the 2012 season made the MLB playoffs for the first time since 1997. The peak of both the Skins and Doe's thriving at the same time would be 1983, right? The Skins won Super Bowl 17 in January 1983 and then won the NFC Championship for the 1983 season. And the O's won the 1983 World Series. But geez, 1983... <laughs> I mean, I have no memory of 1983. Both franchises have had so many problems over the last 30 plus years. So great to see good things happening with each team. Uh, well, we always hope that good things are happening for you. But if you have been harmed by the negligence of someone else or if someone who you care about has been harmed by the negligence of someone else, always know that the great law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. 
Paulson and Ace has won millions of dollars for clients and was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firms 2024 edition. Paulson and Ace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Ace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. Attorneys Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are experienced trial attorneys who are not afraid to take cases to trials and That's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you are listening to this podcast via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can rate the podcast with a star rating. Five-star ratings are greatly appreciated. They help us out a lot. Thank you for doing them. We last spoke to our next guest two weeks ago as the Commander's head coaching search was continuing and as we had reports that the team in the coming days (laughs) was going to be flying to the Detroit area to conduct in-person interviews of two head coaching candidates, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson and Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. Uh, My oh my, (laughs) a lot has happened since then. The Commanders now have a new head coach, Dan Quinn, a new offensive coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury, and a new defensive coordinator, Joe Witt Jr. And things, uh, shall we say, fell apart between the Commanders and the presumed favorite in their head coaching search, Ben Johnson. Uh, Well, a Ben who would never cancel an in-person meeting with the Commanders while they were flying to him is the Ben who joins me now, Commanders insider Ben Standing of The Athletic, a regular guest on this podcast. Ben does an awesome job of covering the Commanders for The Athletic. He is the host of the Standing Room Only podcast. You can follow him on X at Ben Standing. Hey, Ben, how are you? Al, I'm doing great. You know, I realize, of course, as we're, you know, reporting about and, you know, sort of having a little fun at the idea that Ben Johnson canceled on the team uh, while they were flying to see him. Um, last week, I ended our Cal Ripken streak of consecutive podcasts in a row because I was at the Senior Bowl and the week just got out of hand and I didn't even, reco- I don't think I even recorded my own, just by my own until like the end of the week. So uh, I guess I should, you know, I guess this was a rough week for Ben's when it came to uh, keeping appointments. <laughs> Yes, but you did not cancel on me while I was en route to you, so you at least have that going for you. Uh, We have a lot to talk about, but big picture, the new Commander's coaching staff power trio of Dan Quinn, Cliff Kingsbury, and Joe Witt Jr., should Commander's fans be happy? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anybody should be happy about anything ever. (laughs) uh, You know, I don't think the sun's come out of my house today. Um... Look, I mean, you know, if I had said before that when the season ended on the day they fired Ron Rivera that here's what they would end up with. I know you didn't mention Adam Peters, but like if you if I said you got they ended up with the number one GM target this offseason and the head coach is a guy who oversaw a defense at the last three years was basically, you know, one of the five best in the league throughout that time. I think you'd feel pretty good about that, or at least I would think you would. 
you know, the coordinator stuff always gets a little trickier because it's just like when you're hiring a coordinator to then become the head coach, you haven't seen them do these jobs, right? Now, in the case of Joe Witt Jr., he's coming from with Dan Quinn from Dallas. They were in Atlanta together as well. He gets a lot of credit for his work with Dallas, the secondary. And, you know, I actually am very intrigued to see what he and the other members of this new coaching staff can get out of the secondary in Washington, which has young talent but took a step back last year, clearly. Kingsbury, I think, is going to be the more polarizing of the choices. You know, it's one of those – he is the classic – guy you look at now, now that Lane Kiffin has graduated out of this class, of the guy who fails forward, in that if you look at his win-loss record at college at Texas Tech with the Arizona Cardinals, it's largely unimpressive. But what's mixed in there is he was Patrick Mahomes' college coach. He got he, he you know oversaw Kyler Murray uh, coming into this league. This is he last year, of course, spent at USC working with Caleb Williams. This is where it's this subset of what he we know him for is what the intrigue is. Um, obviously, he's come from this like air raid system, uh, you know, more of a high, a wide open offense than what we've seen here the last couple of years. So there's that, and and he's not going to be the head coach. Like we shouldn't like point to the other records as uh, as, as a, an indication of what may happen here. So I think. That one's a little more curious, but not necessarily a bad one. Look, it's new, it's different, and it's you know we'll we'll see. I I, I generally will say that with what with what where I'm at with Washington right now overall is this is obvious. But coming from a world where it's not a Dan Snyder run team, it's a Josh Harris team, and then he's got an, a real GM with Adam Peters, so the coach isn't dealing with personnel stuff. I think this is all starting off at a very good place, and how the execution goes, you know, you never know. But I I, I think you should be happy that it's new that it's different it's a new era and we'll see you know you know beyond that i can't predict what's gonna happen i don't want to spend too much time on what could have been but is not but the truth about what happened in this commander's head coaching search does matter uh the piece that you and nfl insider diana rossini of the athletic co-authored uh came out on Monday morning, headline, quote, how the commanders landed on Dan Quinn amid twists, turns, and outrageous actions, end quote. There was a lot in this piece on Quinn uh, and on what happened between the commanders and Ben Johnson, and you guys did report that the commanders did, in fact, want Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald as head coach, but he got more money to become Seattle Seahawks head coach. So bottom line, did the commanders ultimately settle for Dan Quinn? Did they want other people, didn't get those people, and had to hire Quinn? I think one thing about this entire saga has been how much it is the information, like nobody's really talking too much other than to say maybe throw out some negative narratives about about the other side, we can clearly, you know, if you look at some of the reporting, not by us, but just in general, that's out there. And I could have touched on this in the story. It's none of the rumors or reporting is very consistent with each other, which shows that we're not getting a lot of truth. We're getting a lot of spin. Again, I really did filter out a lot of, of what I could from in, in our story. Um, but I guess I would just say that, and this is a, I don't know if it's a good analogy or not, but. You know, when I was a kid and my dad would take me to Baskin Robbins and I would, you know, he'd go, okay, what do you want? I'd spend 10 minutes debating. Well, I don't know. Do I want Rocky Road today? Do I want uh, Pralines and Cream, which was always an all-time favorite? Do I want a Sunday? I would have been happy with any of them. But I got to pick one of them. So I pick one. And if they said, oh, we're sorry, we're at Rocky Road today. Well, am I settling or am I just picking another one that I really like? I think... I'm leaning more towards that. I mean, Dan Quinn's name was up there throughout, you know, when Adam Peters a few, couple weeks ago talked about what is he looking for? And maybe it's a cliche answer, but it's the answer he gave us. And that was, he's not looking for an offensive guy or a defensive guy. He's looking for the best leader. Well, of the, of the names we know, Dan Quinn is the only, not only is he the only one who's done the job, but just by personality type, seems like he is much more of that guy. I mean, my, you know, we talked about it here, but Ben Johnson for me, that was the question. Okay, you can call plays. I get it. Can he be that leader of men, the guy who's standing up in front of the locker room? Well, clearly he doesn't think he's ready for that role, which is not a knock. He's allowed to choose his own destiny and stay and all that. But if that really was a huge factor, who was going to set the tone for us? Well, then I think Dan Quinn, obviously, of the names that we know about, made the most sense. 
That said, you know, you have the number two pick. You're probably picking a quarterback. That's going to be a huge aspect of this, as we know. And, you know, who's going to help develop that player? You know, if it's the head coach, well, then you're kind of locked that person in possibly for several years. Because obviously, right, if hypothetically now it's Kingsbury, he crushes it for the next two or three years. He probably gets another head coaching job, right? But I don't, you know, if, if you can't do the whole job, then it's maybe not the right job for you. So, I, you know, and then also beyond that, they didn't have, there were, this was not a year for offensive coordinator types beyond Ben Johnson, the perception of him at least. So I don't have an issue with it. I don't, it's hard to say they didn't settle completely, it's, but it, or at least it wasn't their first choice. But I think they really did like Dan Quinn. The people around the league really do. So I don't think they settled, I guess I should say. But, you know, I think it's fair to say he probably wasn't their first choice. doesn't mean it's the wrong choice or they weren't more than happy to say, fine, we didn't get Rocky Road. We're definitely taking the hot fudge Sunday, and we're cool with that. Well, Rocky Road is good, so I don't blame you for wanting that. Uh, while we're talking about the report from you and Diana Rossini, she had a post on X last Thursday said, quote, during the hiring process in Washington, Bill Belichick was considered for the job per sources. The commander spoke with him and he had support from some decision makers. In the end, Dan Quinn is their choice, end quote. Uh, meantime, the Washington Post, it on Monday morning reported that Commander's General Manager Adam Peters has a relationship with Belichick and spoke with him, but that a person familiar with the matter described the conversation as a, quote, kick the tires, end quote, conversation that, quote, really didn't go anywhere, end quote. So <laughs> once and for all, what was the deal between the Commanders and former New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick? Yeah, and we have this in our story. I mean, look, if you're doing a thorough search and you don't discuss the possibility of hiring a seven-time Super Bowl winning coach who some would say is the best coach ever, they would never watched Joe Gibbs, but that's a separate issue. Um, you'd, be, you'd be insane. It would be crazier if they didn't discuss it, even if it's just in passing. So, uh, yeah, I believe they did discuss it. And as we said in our story, that Josh Harris was just never really on board with it. It didn't. It never. Had, it never made sense. Like once we knew that Josh Harris was like, if this was another owner who was like, "Hey, we gotta, we gotta go." Well, Belichick might make more sense because it's an immediate potential impact. But this is a long term play. Belichick is what going to be around for three, four more years as a head coach. Washington is looking to hire somebody who's going to be here for a while, right? So I, I don't. I don't think it ever really got to any stage of. Of, of seriousness other than, hey, let's just discuss this. What do we think about Bill Belichick? One more for you on what could have been, uh, but is not. You mentioned that this offseason's NFL head coaching cycle was not heavy on offensive-minded head coaching candidates. Uh, that is true. And yet, multiple offensive coordinators did get hired as head coaches. The commanders in their head coaching search, as far as the reports go, only interviewed two external offensive-minded head coaching candidates, Ben Johnson and Houston Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick. Do you have any idea why the commanders did not interview Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator Dave Canales, who was hired as Carolina Panthers head coach, or why the commanders did not interview Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan, who was hired as Tennessee Titans head coach? Um, I don't so I, and you know when I when I originally before I think you know Ron got fired you know we, we had to write some sort of hey uh, here's candidates to look at or maybe it was right when he got fired I don't remember but uh, those were two guys that were on my list I actually was kind of high on Canales and Callahan Canales because of the work he did resurrecting Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield the last couple of years and Callahan with what they were able to get out of Jake Browning even though after Joe Burrow got hurt now Callahan was not a play caller previously so you know for some that would be a, a, a more of a challenge and Canales had only been a coordinator for or, you know the one year but of course like you know here's the here's the rub if you went and signed one of them well based on how things went you would not have gotten bet you wouldn't even have talked to Ben Johnson I know they didn't but you would have been leaving the Ben Johnson situation before it got to some conclusion and obviously that would have been incredibly frustrating for the fan base and you know I all that now of course you should make decisions based on the fan base i'm just saying if you're in it for ben johnson and i do think this is part of the story that is getting overlooked 
if you wanted Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald, you did have to wait because they weren't being they weren't getting done until they were out of the playoffs. And those other, you know, I think those other teams recognized they weren't going to be in the mix for 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 Johnson and maybe not McDonald. So they moved on and got who they felt, I guess, was their best uh, options. And um, you know, when Ben Johnson said no, I'm not interested in leaving Detroit. Well, then you look around the room, and you know the only things that were left were the defensive coordinators, right? So, um, you know, it's it, I look. Obviously, we now know in hindsight. I don't know that they would have changed anything differently, other than look. I don't know that they would have like gone for the Canales or, or Callahan. And like I said, they would have had to, um, you know, possibly do that earlier. And if they wanted Ben Mike McDonald, you had to wait on him too. So, I don't. I don't really have an issue with this. By the way, like to this point. I keep seeing people say, well, you can tell that Dan Quinn was an afterthought because they made him fly commercial and they were flying a jet to Detroit. Now, okay, Ben Johnson had just finished. They had just played. So from a convenience perspective, because I think Seattle went to him also, they, they uh, hey, we're going to go there. Well, Dan Quinn had been home for a week. So I, I'm pretty positive if it had been reverse, right, that – Ben Johnson had lost in the first game and Dan Quinn made it to the NFC Championship game, assuming that they were truly interested in both. I think it would have just been the reverse, that Dan Quinn, they're taking the, the jet to Dan Quinn and Ben Johnson is flying in or something. So, I, you know, I, so many of these things get 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 get, get thrown out and, and with, without any real insight or, or explanation. And, um, you know, you'd also have to tell me, how did Bobby Slobick get to D.C.? How did Raheem Morris like, get to D.C.? Did they send a private plane, or was he on Southwest? I'm going to guess if they're on Southwest as well, or whatever, you know, the airline of your choice. Uh, so, uh, um, yeah, so I, you know, sometimes as much as best you can for all these things, you try to get the truth. But as we all know in our own lives, there's, you know, my version, your version, and there's the truth. And if nobody's even sharing what their versions are, then you have to you know, as best you can, strip aside emotion and look at the information and project what happened. And I think that's what we've had to do a lot on this uh, story. Much more with Ben Standig in moments. I'm going to next ask him if Dan Quinn profiles as someone who will have a great second act as an NFL head coach. Hopefully Dan Quinn's second act as an NFL head coach is great, as great as the deal that Nova Fireplace and Stove is offering to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. If you live in Northern Virginia and you have a masonry fireplace, you gotta call Nova Fireplace and Stove, which right now is offering an outstanding deal to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast and in stock would insert at an extremely discounted price just six thousand dollars plus tax the usual price is nine thousand dollars plus tax so this is a 33 percent discount and the six thousand dollars plus tax includes installation permit and county slash city inspection and you can get a government-funded tax credit as well, up to $2,000, dropping the price to just $4,000, all things considered. A site visit is required, and you must have a masonry fireplace. But if you live in Northern Virginia, call Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803. Ask to talk to my guy, Stuart Moore. He's the general manager. He's a big Commanders fan. He's a loyal listener of this podcast. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and get this exceptional deal on an in-stock wood insert. Again, 33% off. A standard masonry fireplace is only about 10% efficient, but a wood insert is over 70% efficient. A wood insert installed into a masonry fireplace elongates the burn time of your logs. This is a great way to heat your home and save money on heating your home. Uh, visit NovaFireplaceAndStove.com to check out customer reviews of Nova Fireplace and Stove, but call Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. That's Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. More now with Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. One of the things that stands out to me about Dan Quinn, and this was a big-time theme at his introductory press conference on Monday afternoon, is how much he has tried to learn from what went wrong 
from his time as Atlanta Falcons head coach, February 2015 to October 2020. As you know, there in NFL history are plenty of instances of head coaches who were a lot better in their second stints as head coaches versus their first stints. Does Quinn strike you as someone who can be one of those guys? Well, he certainly presented himself in that way. And I think, you know, obviously uh, there's been a lot of saying, oh, they're just getting Ron Rivera 2.0 and all that. Well, this is a good example as to maybe why that's not the case. You know, Ron Rivera went from getting fired in Carolina to just a few weeks later getting hired here. There was no time for reflection, right? As we know, he just brought in his whole group that was with him in the place that he ended up getting fired from. And, you know, he, you know, we'll see what Dan Quinn does. I mean, already he brought in, he's hired Cliff Kingsbury, who I don't believe they had a working relationship with prior. He just said that over time when he was a coordinator, you know, he would keep notes and, you know, mental notes or, or, or maybe written down notes of guys around the league that impressed him. And that, and that stood out. Um, not to mention Adam Peters is here. That's not a Dan Quinn hire. Adam Peters is hiring him here. You know, it's that flow. So I think that like he's had time to reflect on what went wrong. He said he's done a complete deep dive on his coaching going all the way back to Seattle, where he was the defensive coordinator for a team that won a Super Bowl, went to a second one, and he saw that, hey, what we were doing there, the game evolves. It stopped working as, as effectively as we wanted. We've had to make changes. He obviously had you know an excellent defense in Dallas the last three years. They uh, led the league in takeaways in 21 and 22. Uh, they had two cornerbacks that led the league in interceptions in that time. Um, so, uh, yeah, it does seem like a guy who, reflect, who who reflected. And even if, you know, even, even if he's overselling what he did, which I'm not saying he is, again, he's had time. It, it's just time has existed for him to contemplate what I would do differently. They all think these things. Who, who doesn't, right? I mean, I think we all do. And, uh, you know, if you're being diligent about your job, I think we all do. So I am... Um, I, 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 I buy it that, that he's been that guy and, and that he's learned from, you know, what he what went right, what went wrong in the last in his stint with Atlanta. So, sure, I, 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 I buy it. But as, as with everything else, we'll, we'll just see. That's a really smart point about Rod Rivera. He was fired as Carolina Panthers head coach on December 3rd, 2019. He was hired as Redskins head coach on New Year's Day 2020. So he barely had time to truly reflect on and learn from what went wrong from his time as Panthers head coach, the way that Dan Quinn had time to reflect on and learn from his time as Falcons head coach. You uh, during the Dan Quinn introductory press conference on Monday afternoon asked the quarterback question of both Dan Quinn and Adam Peters. But very interestingly, Peters made sure that he took the question and he gave you a total non-answer. Here was the exchange in its entirety. For you and Adam, obviously quarterback is such an important position in this sport. You guys may have the opportunity to draft one in the first round and Sam Howell is here as well. How much of your conversations were about what happened at quarterback and how, how important is Cliff to whatever it is you guys uh, plan to do with that position? Yeah, I'll take that one. If you okay. want. Yeah. Yeah. We- Really, we just got started, Ben. So we haven't even had discussions yet as the staff with that. Uh, obviously, it's the most important position on the field, and we're going to put a lot of time into it. But as of now, we haven't even got started on that one. All right. I don't think that there was a person on the planet who believed that Adam Peters and Dan Quinn had not yet talked about the team's quarterback situation. What'd you think of Peters making sure that he answered your question? And what'd you think of what Peters said? Yeah, it was kind of, as, as I recall, sort of the only like non-answer of the press conference. Um, and I think, you know, I'm always awkward with my phrasing of these things, but I think it was sort of like, you know, you, 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 you've got Cliff Kingsbury now. You obviously have this quarterback situation. How important is Kingsbury? Like, what, what, what conversations have you guys had about that? And how important is Kingsbury to whatever it is you're trying to accomplish? And, uh, you know, he said, uh, hey, look, it's, uh, it is the most important position, but we just haven't gotten that far. I mean, you know, look, maybe they're just afraid to say anything that would infer to anything. And we know that not only was this going to be an, uh, a conversation we were all going to have for the next two months, is it Caleb Williams, is it Drake May, is it Jaden Daniels, is it, none, is it still Sam Howell, or whatever. Then they bring in Kingsbury, who worked with Caleb Williams last year. Ooh, that's going to be a whole other 
intrigue, and maybe he just didn't want to even give the impression of tipping their hand in any way, shape, or form, so let's just uh, shoot this down and, and just say we haven't even discussed it. Like you said, clearly, when you're having a conversation with candidates and you have the number two pick, it's not like saying, hey, we have the 16th pick, and you're like, what do you think about the draft? I mean, that's that's too far away. The second pick, I mean, you should be able to have a feeling <laughs> to, to right now what's going to happen. Not to mention, Dan Quinn faced Sam Howell last, you know, uh, three times. Uh, so he's got at least some feel for the kid. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just took it more like that. Like, you know, like it is a, such an important decision, and they don't want to show their hands at all, whether that's because they're going to try to trade up with the Bears or maybe trade out. I don't know. So I, I, I guess I took it as much as that, if anything else. But what did you, what did you think? Well, something that seems to be the case of each guy's introductory press conference with the commanders is that Adam Peters is not much of a talker and Dan Quinn is a talker. And I wonder if Peters, to your point, didn't want anything that might indicate anything being said. And so Peters uh, grabbed the steering wheel in order to give the total non-answer. Peters has some Bill Belichick. Peters uh, does not say much. And he, of course, worked with Belichick for years. Peters worked in the Patriots scouting department for the 2003 through 2008 seasons. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, clearly, you know, from the personality standpoint, that seems to be the case, independent of their their jobs, their roles. Quinn's certainly looks like the more outgoing of the two. Um, but look, and you know, again, another difference here between Dan Quinn and, and Ron Rivera. The draft is Adam Peters' deal. Now, Quinn will obviously have say and voice and blah, blah, blah. And, if, and it would be stupid if you're Adam Peters to not factor in what Dan Quinn's hopes and dreams are for the team he's assembling. But this is an Adam Peters bit. And I think, yeah, maybe to a degree, he was like, look, I, I don't need Dan Quinn saying anything right now that would suggest um, a lot. Like I actually, in my, in my list of questions, one was going to be, hey, Dan, uh, you know, there's a chance here you guys might draft a quarterback at two. What do you think of starting rookie quarterbacks? I mean, I, I was going to figure out how to say, you know, the guy that beat you in the playoffs sat for three years, then beat you. Um, but, uh, you know, but but how do you do that? But I was like, all right, that's a little too too deep in the weeds. So I, I, I put that aside, just went for for that. So, yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I don't know that we'll, we'll, we'll get a ton out of Adam Peters based on what we've seen so far in these press conferences, if it's anything like most GMs, we won't hear from him much during the year anyway. It'll be the, you know, pre-draft, post-draft, maybe the start of training camp somewhere, and then that guy typically disappears. It's just the, the previous thing, we had the guy every day because Ron was the top of the food chain, so we would get, probably get some more stuff um, that, that I'm going to guess we will, at least for now, with, with the new GM. What'd you think about Adam Peters during the Dan Quinn introductory press conference on Monday afternoon, basically saying that no major changes beneath him in the commander's front office are happening right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I've talked about this on my pod and probably with you as well. Like it, the way these things work typically is teams do not change their scouting departments. Um, prior to a draft, even with a new regime, for the most part. Now, in this case, the, the oddity is the the GM was fired, essentially, but he was also the head coach. Uh, I, I you know, said for a while, it seems like Martin Mayhew was going to stay. And I think, um, I guess, he stays beyond just this cycle. Like, it is, he and Peters have a relationship. And, you know, if anybody's out there screaming, no, these guys are all bums, you know, look, it's just like anything else. You know, if you, if you said, hey, Ben, why don't you go to uh, 980 and be a, a host, be like, well, look, first of all, you should hire Al Galdi instead of me. But secondly, I'd be like, okay, I guess I could do that to a degree. But if they then said, no, go go be the board op, I'd be like, well, I don't know how to do that. Nah, just do it. And I'm like, I, I don't even know where the buttons are. You got to put people in the right position. And and you know, and you know, as we you know discussed at the end of last year, the 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 process that they were having with Ron and the Mar- Martys and all that, you know, seemed a bit too chaotic. And Ron, as we know wasn't you know that's not really his wheelhouse he's doing these other things so um you know they're all fine scouts i'm sure they're all going to present information have their thoughts and then adam peters will distill all that data and make some decisions so it's fine i would just suspect that we'll see changes once we get past the draft because also if he wants to bring in people from other other situations which he did say they would look at even now but um 
that those people also have current jobs. Like if, if there's somebody on the San Francisco staff that he would want to bring over, which, you know, seems reasonable just because he was there, they're not getting released until their job is done. And again, in, back in 2020, Rivera kept Kyle Smith and all the people. And then eventually he made those changes. But And by the way, this scouting staff has been here. This is kind of the same group since Jay, right? Tim Gribble, um, you know, now the head of the, the, the department, a lot of the same scouts are here. So, um, again, we can quibble over whether that's just good or not, but I would say let's wait until we get past the draft and then see really what's going to happen here. Another news item from the uh, Dan Quinn introductory press conference on Monday afternoon was Quinn saying that commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is out. Uh, do you think that Bieniemy regrets coming to the commanders? Um, no. I mean, again, I, 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 I'm under the impression that if he had stayed in Kansas City, I would have been an awkward situation. Like they, they had Matt Nagy. It seems pretty obvious they wanted Matt Nagy to be, get higher in the pecking order with the offensive uh, staff. Possibly he's a succe- successor to Andy Reid. I mean, we'll see. So I don't know the what you know. Even if he had stayed, I don't know that he's you know his. I, I think his role was going to be probably a bit diminished. So, and that's the thing. Everybody kept like, why would he go to Washington? Because you're inferring he had other options, and that was my point all along. I don't think he had other options. Now, what is intriguing is now he's getting, you know, it's, it's just like last year. Washington hadn't, I guess he got one coaching interview last year. Was that right with the Colts? I want to say. But, you know, I, I'm not saying it was uh, a, sh- a sham interview. I'm just saying clearly they, like the other half the league that has interviewed him and didn't choose him for that job, went another direction. But I don't know that he was getting another, I mean, other teams could have bid on him last year to be their offensive coordinator. Nobody else did. He, this cycle, I mean, maybe he interviewed with the Raiders. I'm not sure. But he's not getting any calls either. I What I think is fascinating to me is that now that this is out, that he's out of Washington, and now they're going to the Super Bowl, does somebody ask Andy Reid, are you bringing him back? I think that is, I would really, really want somebody to ask that question because my guess would be no. Um, or at least, not, certainly not as like the offensive coordinator. But um, we'll see. So no, I don't. I don't. I don't think he would regret it because, like I said, I don't know what his role in Kansas City was really going to be. And the question I think now is just uh, if there's no offensive coordinator opportunities, is he willing to be? I'm making this up. A running backs coach for somebody. I, I kept wondering, does he go join Dion in Colorado at his alma mater and help that staff? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, there's a role for being in this league. It just may not be the role that he wants or that you know people expect of him. Last one for you. The coordinators, Cliff Kingsbury and Joe Witt Jr., which hire has more upside, in your opinion? Well, look, well, you know, when the season unfolded the way that it did, I think we all were a bit more disillusioned about the talent on this roster. And I think no position group uh, went down in perception more than the defensive backs, right? Because at the end of the 22 season, Felt like things were on the rise, and then they go ahead and draft two guys with their top two picks, and it all just sort of fell apart last year. But Joe Witt Jr. like is the guy who was helping Dallas the secondary. I mean, Trayvon Diggs was a good player; he was drafted in the second round, but he led, you know he then ended up leading the league in interceptions. And last year, Deron Bland comes out of really nowhere to do the same. I'm not discounting their own abilities and talents, but obviously, you got to factor in that the coaching probably had a, a big role there, and Joe Witt Jr. was the guy there so you know now you get him in with Emmanuel Forbes who needless to say had a really rough rookie year but we know the 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 interception instincts are there you have Quan Martin who I think did play better um you know I I think he ultimately was probably the best draft pick they had based on what we saw this year even though it didn't when he doesn't play on defense the first like seven games (laughs) that didn't seem plausible um you know Derek Forrest wasn't exactly playing at the same level he had the year before when he got loss for the year. You know, Benjamin St. Juice has moments where he's looks pretty good, but he also gets a ton of penalty calls. Um, now they're, I want to see what this coaching staff does with this group. And I think that aspect, uh, I think is, is interesting. Kingsbury is, um, you know, it's, it, you know, it, it could be just like with, with the enemy, like what's the core, no matter what he's doing, what's the quarterback play? You know, if it's a young play, if it's either one of the rookies or Sam Howell, like you're still dealing with those ups and downs. So I'll, I'll go with wit. Cause I just think that the, the defensive side of the town on the defensive side just underwhelmed 
Uh, and I would like to think that some of these guys should be better than they've looked. And now that we'll see if this coaching staff can uh, help do that. Yeah, the Joe Witt Jr. hire has not gotten anything close to the attention that the Cliff Kingsbury hire has gotten for a lot of reasons. But you're right, the Witt hire could end up being really good. Uh, Commander's insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. The Washington, D.C. area apparently was only big enough for one prominent Ben pertaining to the Commanders. Uh, Ben Johnson, stay in Detroit. Ben Standig, you won. (laughs) Congratulations. Uh, Thanks for coming on, and we'll talk soon. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Hey, this Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl 58, the San Francisco 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs at Allegiant Stadium in Paradise, Nevada, this Sunday evening at 6.30. A whole lot of opportunity to make money via Underdog Fantasy, which offers daily pick'em games that are super easy and fun. Just correctly pick whether certain players in each game will go higher or lower given totals, and you win. Underdog Fantasy, it is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI and to make a first deposit of at least $10. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use that promo code GALDI. Underdog Fantasy also offers season-long fantasy with a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. And take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, knows that football fans like you love a great game and a great deal. And so Little Caesars for Super Bowl 58 is inviting you to participate in Pick 6 for Slices in Sticks. Download the Little Caesars app, accept the Pick 6 for Slices and Sticks Challenge, and if there is a Pick 6 during Super Bowl 58, you get free slices and sticks. Simple as that. Little Caesars has partnered with NFL legend Derek Brooks of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had a pick six in Super Bowl 37. So accept the challenge and win some free pizza and sticks from Little Caesars Pizza Pizza.
So the Capitals on Tuesday night played a game for the first time since January 27th as they had a nine-day stretch with no games due to a bye week and the NHL All-Star break. But the Caps playing on Tuesday night came off really bad news on Monday. The NHL and NHL Players Association on Monday afternoon announced that Caps center Evgeny Kuznetsov would be unavailable for the Caps for an indefinite period while he received care from the player assistance program of the NHL and NHLPA. Under the terms of the joint program, Kuznetsov will return to the camps when cleared for on-ice competition by the program administrators. Uh, What exactly is Kuznetsov's problem is unclear, but the player assistance program is designed to help NHL players deal with substance abuse problems and mental health problems. Uh, Kuznetsov did serve a three-game suspension without pay at the start of the NHL's 2019-2020 regular season for, quote, inappropriate conduct, end quote. The inappropriate conduct was cocaine use. Uh, The International Ice Hockey Federation in August 2019 suspended Kuznetsov for four years. Uh, This for testing positive for cocaine off a test that was taken in May 2019 at the 2019 International Ice Hockey Federation World Championship in Slovakia. Uh, where Kuzi was playing for Russia. Here was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during a session with reporters after the Caps morning skate on Tuesday morning on the Evgeny Kuznetsov situation. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange uh, with a friend of this podcast, Caps insider Tarek El-Bashir of Monumental Sports Network. Very much what... what, uh everyone read and, and saw that uh, the NHL and the NHL PA, he's gone into the um, substance abuse program and uh, that's a lot of, of what we know. There, there's not a lot of background information that they share with us other than just the fact that he's um, in the program. So for us as an organization, staff, players, it, it's just supporting him uh, and his family as uh, he gets the help that that he needs. Do you meet with the player to kind of talk things out? Did that happen? Yeah, we we talked about it. Um, And again, there's not a lot that I can share other than just, you know, here's what's going on with your teammate, your brother, a member of our family. Um, And so it's a lot of you know, people that are concerned for him and his health and and his family. And that's really uh, where a lot of the, the conversations and thoughts have gone. Yeah, this Evgeny Kuznetsov situation, sad situation, unfortunate situation, but it does perhaps explain why he has been such an inconsistent and hard to figure out player. I mean, we for years have wondered, what is the deal with this guy Maybe we now know the deal. Uh, In the meantime, uh, the Caps played a game on Tuesday night, uh, and they got ripped. uh, A 5-2 loss to the Montreal Canadiens at Capital One Arena. This was the Caps' first game in 10 days, and yet the Caps got hammered at home by a team in the Canadiens that, in this regular season, has fewer points than the Caps have. The Canadiens, even with this win, have just 50 points. The Caps are at 51 points. The record now is 22, 19, and 7. And the Caps now have lost five consecutive games. That is the team's longest losing streak of this regular season, for which the Caps have the third worst goal differential in the Eastern Conference, minus 34. Things are not going well for the Caps. Uh, Charlie Lindgren on Tuesday night was the Caps starting goaltender for the seventh time in nine games, but he stopped just six of the nine shots on goal that he faced in struggling for a third consecutive game. Uh, The magic of Charlie Lindgren is wearing off, and Spencer Carberry in the first period pulled Lindgren in favor of Darcy Kemper. Uh, Kemper stopped 15 of the 17 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, The Caps on Tuesday night, in terms of puck possession, really bizarre game, really bad first period, but then a lot better. Uh, The difference was something. The Caps in a first period that they lost 
3-0, had just five shots on goal to the Canadiens' 13, and per natural stat trick, had just 11 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Canadiens' 17, including just one 5-on-5 high-danger shot attempt to the Canadiens' 4. But the Caps, over the final two periods, had 34 shots on goal to the Canadiens' 13, and per natural stat trick, had 49 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Canadian 17, including, get this, 11 5-on-5 high-danger shot attempts to the Canadiens 0. <laughs> the Caps, over the final two periods, dominated the Canadiens in terms of puck possession, but that 3 nothing deficit at the end of the first period was too much to overcome. Uh, this was Spencer Carberry during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night on why he pulled Charlie Lindgren in the first period. Just change momentum, and the, the the chances that we give up, it's just it's the same old story. And I know you just make some massive mistakes there that, um, unfortunately, for us are just happening to different guys each night, and it's um, it's tough. I, I feel for them because they they're trying, and but at the end of the day, in, in pro hockey, in the National Hockey League, you gotta you gotta be able to perform if you're gonna be. Uh, winning games against another team that, that's obviously competing hard, and so we just make some really, really bad, um, bad mistakes that obviously you turn a puck over and send it up in the back of the net. Yeah, Cap special teams on Tuesday night had problems. The Caps went just 1-2 on the penalty kill and went 0-3 on the power play. A bright spot was the great aid. Uh, top line left wing Alex Ovechkin. He scored a goal, uh, scored an even strength goal at 6-0-3 into the second period for his 10th goal of this regular season. Ovechkin finished with six shots on goal and 10 total shot attempts. And he was tied for number three on the Caps in five-on-five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 76.47. The Caps with Ovechkin on the ice in five-on-five situations in the game had 26 shot attempts versus allowing just eight shot attempts. So nice to see that. Not nice to see much of the rest of the game. Uh, Next up for the Caps, a game against one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. The Caps are at the Florida Panthers Thursday night at 7. We, on Tuesday night at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland, had a battle of two of the best defensive teams in college basketball this season, with each team also being quite bad offensively. And the result was the kind of game that that matchup would suggest, but the result also was a loss for the home team. Uh, Maryland, for this season, fell to 13-10 and overall and 5-7 and in the Big Ten with a 56 56- 53 loss to Rutgers at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland on Tuesday night. The Terrapins lost at home to a Rutgers team that came into the game just 3-7 and seven in the Big Ten on the season. Now, each team is top 10 in Division I men's basketball in KenPalm.com's adjusted defensive efficiency, which is points allowed for 100 possessions adjusted for opponents. The updated data for this season, four games through Tuesday. The Terps are number six in the nation in adjusted defensive efficiency. Rutgers is number two in the nation in adjusted defensive efficiency. And when it comes to KenPalm.com's adjusted offensive efficiency, which is points per 100 possessions adjusted for opponents, the updated data for this season for games through Tuesday, the Terps are number 190 (laughs) in the nation in adjusted offensive efficiency. And Rutgers is number 300 in the nation in adjusted offensive efficiency. And so what we got on Tuesday night uh, was a, shall we say, defensive-minded game. The Terps' offense was awful. They scored just 53 points, went just 2 of 18 on threes, just 15 of 36 on twos, and just 17 of 23 on free throws. The Terps finished with just 6 assists versus 
15 turnovers. Uh, but the Terps' defense was very good. They held Rutgers to just 56 points and just 3 of 13 on threes and just 19 of 43 on twos. The Terps defended without fouling. Rutgers for the game total just 11 free throw attempts when 9 of 11 on free throws. And the Terps generated 15 Rutgers turnovers. Uh, Jameer Young and Julian Reese, they combined for 35 of the Terps' 53 points, but uh, neither guy had a very good game. 6-1 point guard Jameer Young, he had 38 minutes as a starter, went just 3 of 17 from the field. 2 of 4 on threes, that's good, but a horrendous 1 of 13 on twos. That's hard to do. One of 13 on twos, and he committed five turnovers. He also went eight of eight on free throws and finished with 16 points, 12 rebounds, including four offensive boards and three assists. And 6'9", Julian Reese, 34 minutes as a starter. He went eight of 10 from the field, all twos, but he also went just three and nine on free throws, and he had one assist versus five turnovers. Way too many turnovers for a big. He also finished with 19 points and 12 rebounds, including five offensive boards. Uh, 6'8", Dante Scott, he in 30 minutes as a starter, went 0 of 5 on threes. He also went 3 of 5 on twos and 2 of 2 on free throws. He finished with eight points, just two rebounds, uh, but also two steals. The Terps are so bad <laughs> offensively. They, for this season, are number six in Division One men's basketball in adjusted defensive efficiency, and yet right now are nowhere close to getting an at-large bid for the NCAA tournament, and that is entirely due to the team's offense. Uh, here was the team's coach, Terps head coach Kevin Willard, uh, during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night on the bad offense. You know, we, we really struggled coming out starting the game. We just we didn't have a whole lot of energy with that starting group. That's That's been really, really good for us. Um, you know, they were good defensively, but offensively we were just we don't have the same sense of urgency on offense that we did on defense. You know, you uh, I think it was six four or six six with you know the under twelve. I mean you're you're at home, you got you gotta score the basketball. Yes, you do. Interesting to hear Kevin Willard say that the Terps had urgency on defense, but not on offense. Usually, it's the other way around. Basketball teams have urgency on offense, but not on defense. See the Wizards, who have been guilty of that for decades. You can always email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I got this email from Michael King, a big Terps fan, on Tuesday night. Writes, Mike, thought they might be improving, but fool's gold. The message that I sent several months ago about the real state of the program, I stand behind pretend basketball school all the way and getting worse. Willard was the wrong hire. Anyway, just said, can you possibly do a Maryland lacrosse segment <laughs> once a week? It's really all that we have. Thanks, Al. Always listening. Uh, well, thank you for the email, Michael. Kevin Willard last season had a very good first season as Terps head coach, no doubt. Uh, but this season, not going so well. I'm not ready to say that Willard was the wrong hire, but he absolutely needs to do a much better job of recruiting guys who can shoot because this team cannot shoot. Next up for Maryland at Ohio State, Saturday afternoon at 4. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 758. We'll provide you with more on the Commanders. Also on Thursday show, I'll talk Wizards and Georgetown basketball. The Wizards are home to the Cleveland Cavaliers Wednesday night at 7. The Hoyas are at Seton Hall Wednesday evening at 6.30. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. I'm so pumped for Dan. I'm so pumped for Washington. Dan's a hell of a coach. They got a hell of a one. I know they've gone through a lot of stuff in these last 20 years, but having AP and DQ is as good as it gets.